Thank you for watching. We hope that you were able to listen to the sermon, It's in the Middle, from week three of our series, Seven Mile Miracle. And we wanted to show you a bonus teaching that Pastor Stephen preached during our Monday night takeover at the Lake Norman location. Pastor Stephen talked about grace and how it gives us the confidence we need when we discover the gaps in our life. We hope that you enjoy this teaching. I really been pr praying about this, and normally I would read my scripture right here. This is the weirdest thing I've ever done preaching, and I don't know why I'm even doing it right now. But um, instead of reading my scripture, I want to quote a scene from Rocky. This is Polly and Rocky. I am going to read the Bible, but to, to begin this message, and I'm going to make you uh, sit down in a minute, and then you're going to want to stand up when 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 I start preaching because this this thing's going to get on you. I'm telling you, even y'all Presbyterians are going to be running. I think I got a sermon that'll make a Catholic shout. I grew up Methodist, and it makes me want to shout. So Paulie asked Rocky, why, why do you want to marry my sister? And, uh, and Rocky said, uh, gaps. And Polly said, gaps. And Rocky said, yeah, I got gaps. She's got gaps. Together, we fill gaps. So let me give you my message title. I want to preach to you tonight about the God of my gaps. Because see, here's here's a little secret. I want to give you a little secret. I'm saved. I really do believe I'm going to heaven when I die. I mean, like 90% of the time, I'm sure that I'm gonna make it. And, and how many of you are, are, are planning to be there too? Yeah, you, you, you hope you make it. And we used to ask all the time uh, when we were sharing the gospel with people if you were to die tonight, are you sure that you would spend eternity in heaven with God? And it's a good question, it's an important question, and it's one that you want to settle. But sometimes I think we should be asking the question if I don't die, tonight because I'm not planning on it okay is is the faith that I have I, I know that I'm going to heaven one day when I die I know that God saved my soul in a moment and I didn't have to earn it and I don't deserve it and I don't have to climb some ladder to God hoping that he'll love me when my performance measures up to the standard of his perfection but tonight I want to talk about that that gap in between because life is lived in the gaps and I'm saved touch your neighbor and say I'm saved but I still got gaps Tonight I believe that the grace of God is enough to fill every gap In Jesus name On your way to your seat, high five somebody. Say, Grace fills the gap. Hey, give a thunderous applause to the worship team. Aren't they amazing? Also, um, would you help me welcome our EFAM, our extended family watching on Facebook Live and on YouTube Live? God bless you so much. I pray that the Spirit of God that is in this place would break through your screen. And just show up right there in your wherever you are car, kitchen, 
How many know God shows up in the strangest places? One time Peter was scared. He was in the middle of a storm, and here comes Jesus walking up in the middle of the storm. Just walked right up to Peter. In fact, the Bible says he, he was about to walk by him. <laughs> and it's funny because you know, sometimes I think that that God will uh, appear to be going past you, but what he really wants to do is create within you a desire to pursue him. And the reason I say that is because if we're always expecting to feel God, if we're always needing to have an emotional experience in order to stay in a state of faith, our life with God will be limited to certain mountaintop moments and Monday night church services. But I believe God wants to track you out of this church into Tuesday morning. I believe God wants to be with you on Wednesday afternoon. I'm talking about a God who can come through your Thursday. And so we've been saying in the series, Seven Mile Miracle, that it's more like a journey. And for those of us who are destination-minded, this is a difficult concept to come to terms with. Um, and maybe we could talk about that a little bit from Luke 24 tonight. Uh, those of you who have not been in the series need to know that we're using a story about two people. Does anybody know the, the name of the first one? Right. Cleo. We call him Cleo. Uh, his, name, his full name is Cleopas. But we've been walking with him because, all right, he was in Jerusalem when Jesus was crucified. And he kind of hoped and kind of thought this was the one who was going to deliver the people from the oppression of the Romans. When Jesus was hanging there, breathing his last, along with the breath from Jesus' body, the hope was exhaled from Cleo's soul. And so, knowing now that the one that he had put his hope in, had put his hope in, had hoped in until the worst possible thing happened that ever could happen to a human in history happened to the one that he had put his Hoping, and when it happened, he set out back to a place that we believe he was from, a place called Emmaus. And along that road toward Emmaus, he was greeted by a visitor that did not identify himself. Cleo and his unnamed traveling companion are making their way along this seven mile road. And as they walk, all of a sudden, they are joined by someone who does not give his name. However, they are walking with the one who was the one that they hoped in and is still the one. That's where I want to preach today because there are many of you that had hoped in something, but what you hoped for has not happened yet, and you are living in that gap. I want to preach right to that gap tonight. And y'all please be patient with me because I'm still kind of hungover from church this weekend, so I might jump off this stage. I feel a little buzz if you want to know the truth about it. I'm a little lightheaded right now. I feel like the Spirit of God is about to take over this entire auditorium and do something awesome in your heart. Okay, sit down, sit down. We'll get there. Let, let's, let's join. Cleo. Now remember, Jesus has been walking with, 
with these two travelers. He's been walking with them for seven miles. And I think I want to back all the way up to verse 25, if you guys have it for the screen. Jesus is walking with them, and they don't know it's Jesus. And a lot of times when God is doing something in our lives, it's in the ordinary, everyday walk. It is not always in the spectacular, but sometimes it is in those things that seem to be insignificant. Sometimes it is just in raising your children that God is building within them the character that they need. And you will not see the fruit of your labor, or you will not see the produce of your seed until a later time in life. And that was the case with Cleo because he walked with Jesus and he talked with Jesus, but he did not recognize the one that he walked with. He did not recognize the one that was right beside him. He did not recognize that the hope he claimed to have lost was walking with him along the road. And Jesus is frustrated about it. Look at this. He looks at Cleo and says, how foolish you are and how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory and then enter his glory? No cross. No crown, no burial, no resurrection, no pain, no power. And so, into this space of disappointment, Jesus Christ, the Son of God Himself, look at verse 27, beginning with Moses and all the prophets, explained to them what was said in the scriptures concerning himself. And as they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he were going farther, like he did to Peter on the lake. He, he walks like he's going farther, but the Bible says as if he were going farther, which means he will really never leave you nor forsake you. Which means that in the moments where it seems like it's not working according to your plan, God still has a purpose for your life. He's still near, even when your heart is broken. He's still near, even when your shame is great. He's still near, even when you don't feel the momentum on Monday. He's still near. Touch somebody, say, He's right close by. He's not a far away God. He's not standing off in the distance waiting for you to get your act together. He's the God of my gaps. He's there when I'm guilty. He's there when my faith is gone. He's there when my hope is low. So he looks like he's walking off, and Cleo and Cleo's companion urged him strongly, verse 29, stay with us, for it is nearly evening. The day is almost over. Get something to eat. And so he went in to stay with them. And I told him this weekend, be careful if you invite Jesus in, because before long he'll start taking over. I think a lot of people like the idea of inviting God into their lives. Because we have a guest room for him. And we would love to have him close by in case we face any calamities, because it would be helpful to have a God to call on if there is a cancer diagnosis or if my children start acting crazy. I would love a Jesus that would straighten them out. 
But the funny thing about it is, some people who want to call on God when their children start acting crazy won't bring them to church consistently while they're growing up. I don't mean to do this on a Monday night. I know this is supposed to be an encouragement worship service. Let me get back to my, my scripture here real, real, real quick. Because it, it, really, it really does need to be said that the concept of salvation that we have come to embrace as far as current church culture, I, I think there's a gap between what it meant when Jesus walked the earth and what it means to many of us today. I'm concerned about that. I notice a growing gap, and my pastor told me when our church was first beginning to really, really grow to multiple locations, probably about the time that we went from 3,000 to 5,000, he said something to me that has proven to be true. He said, you will notice that the gap will increase as the church grows. I said, what gap? He said, the gap, he said, the gap will get larger between how many people are coming and how many people are committed. So when you first start a church and you got like 50 people, everybody has to do a job. Somebody's got to set up that speaker. Somebody's got to put water in the baptismal tank. Somebody's got to get baptized. I'm telling you, when we started the church, we didn't have anybody to greet but each other, but we were all greeting each other like we… I'm serious. The ratio of greeters to guests was like 30 to 1. It was intimidating. You had to run through a tunnel of greeters. And I'm like, I'm the pastor, y'all. Are you a first-time guest? No, I'm the preacher. But as it grows, so does the gap. You know, When you first get started, everybody has to give. And we know if you don't. I mean, can you imagine today if I sat and checked all the records of who gives and who doesn't at the church? Or do I? <laughs> that would be weird. But you know, in the beginning, you kind of know. And, and in the beginning, this is true. I mean, I would pull certain members, uh, team members aside, because only 40, 50 people. I'd be like, hey, man, I know you get paid on the first and the 15th. And so it's the 18th. And so where's the time? Because you have to have it, because, you know, back to Rocky, there, there, there's this eye of the tiger, man. And I, I gotta fight for some. I gotta chase chickens. I gotta punch sides of beef. Rocky references. And, and, and what, what Pastor Craig was trying to get me to see is as the church grows, you will notice a growing gap. There will be more and more people who will enjoy the ministry, and less and less proportionally who will embrace the work of the ministry and engage the ministry. There is a growing gap, I'm just going to tell you, of even what church means to people. I mean, I meet people now when I go out and they say, oh, you're my church. You're my online pastor. I live in Austin, Texas, and, and I'm, a, I'm a part of your church. You're my, you're my pastor from a distance. And, and I'll say, that's awesome. When do you watch? Uh, 9.30? Because you know, we stream it every week, and people watch all over the world. And they'll say, no, nah, man, I watch it on Instagram. Now listen to me. They are calling me their pastor watching a one-minute clip. And to them, that's going to church. I watched a clip. 
I put Jesus in my pocket and call it church. See, for us to think that church is consumption is so far removed from the original intent of the one who died to establish it. I mean, this church cost Jesus his life, and some of us won't come when it's a little cold outside. I'm talking about church. I'm talking about what he shed his blood to establish in the earth. Can I preach like There's a gap. There's a gap. There's a gap. I mean, even in the language that we use. And so I've noticed this thing when people say, um, I got saved. Now, if you are new to church, you will hear this phrase in evangelical circles before long. I got saved. And our focus for week two or mile two or whatever you want to call it, week three is mile two, is very confusing, but we were talking about salvation this week. And we took it from what Jesus said to a dying thief who was crucified beside him on the day that he died. Not the one that mocked him and said, if you are the Son of God, save us and yourself. Because some people think that for God to prove he's God, he has to get you out of hard situations. I think that's what most people expect from their salvation experience. When I ask God to save me, what I really want him to do is get me out of what I don't like. And so this other thief who was crucified on the other side of Jesus, did y'all hear me preach this this week? My message was, it's in the middle. Because he said, uh, hey, I don't know who you are, but I know you didn't do anything wrong, and we did, and we deserve to be on this cross, and you don't deserve to be on this cross. So when you come into your kingdom, remember me. Now, what didn't follow, which is surprising because some people think that getting saved means getting your act together and quitting all of your bad habits and memorizing all of these different scriptures, and all of that is good, and all of that is wonderful, and I hope all of that happens in your life, but Jesus, the sinless, spotless Lamb of God, the standard of perfection, the one in whom the radiance of the glory of God shone for all to see, look back at a dying thief who represented any sin that you want to mention in this room and said, I tell you the truth, today, today, you will be with me in paradise. Today, not after you have taken a confirmation class and been baptized 16 times. Not even after you joined the church. There was no time for that. And so Jesus said, all I need is for you to stretch your faith. It is by grace you are saved. Through faith, it's not of yourself. It's not a new lifestyle. It's a new Lord. It's coming before him and allowing his grace to fill the gap. And so this thief that was hanging beside Jesus asked for and received grace. And then he died. And so he went to be in paradise. And for most of us, well, it's not that simple. <laughs> you know, because uh, he went to paradise, but we have to stay in 
the process. Can I preach about the process? I tend to be a process-oriented preacher. Sometimes I go into churches and they're like, "Hey, after you preach, will you take an offering?" And and I tell them, I say, "I can. It won't be very much money." Because what I do is not really like take an emotional moment and try to get you, you know, to give a lot of money in a moment. I tend to be systematic. So I tend to try to take you through a journey or a process where you're not just giving out of emotion, but you're giving out of devotion. Because I tend to think that if you're giving out of a place of loving God and putting Him first systematically, that's going to go a whole lot farther in your life than it is if you just every once in a while tip God when you feel guilty and hope that somehow He'll pay off your bills with a big tax return. That doesn't tend to be my modus operandi. And I don't tend to be the kind of preacher that wants you to believe that if you raise your hand in one of our worship experiences, that your life is going to immediately look like paradise. I don't want you to think that that water that we baptize people in is imported from the Sea of Galilee, magic mineral water that will cause you now to never even have the desire to sin or eat carbohydrates again. It would be awesome, but God, write this down, is in the process. I know he's in the process because he walked with them along the road. I know he's in the process because he sat at the table with them. I know he's in the process because he broke the bread. I know that the same bread that he took, he blessed. And I know that the same bread that he blessed, he broke. And I know that the same bread that was broken was still blessed. See, the thing you need to know about your life is that even when you're broken, touch somebody and say, I'm still blessed. The reason I'm blessed is because the hand of God is on my life. As long as the bread was in the hands of Jesus, it was blessed no matter what form it was in. And so in every stage and every season of my life, he's blessing me. Say process. Salvation is not about a product. See, it gets quiet when I preach like this. We've talked about this, LJ. LJ stays on the organ and he's ready to play anytime you start shouting, but people don't shout over that. People shout over, um, over skyrocket Christianity, beam me up Christianity. It, it, I could take I could take this room from zero to ten, but see the thing about it is I got to be here every week, and so I want to give you something that works. Something that works. Something that will work whether you feel like you're being blessed or broken. I want you to be able to appreciate, and, and I, I know I need help too, so y'all pray for me. I'll pray for you that we would appreciate every stage of salvation. Because I was telling one of my friends um, about having kids. I think this was when Elijah was 
six and Graham was three and Abby was a baby or somewhere around that. I might have it a little bit off, but it was like for me the worst possible representation of human life at those stages. I do not excel at those ages and stages of child rearing. And, and honestly, I thought I was a bad dad and I was kind of wondering if we should have done the whole thing or just bought another dog. And so, cause we had a chihuahua and traded it for Graham. And so I'm wondering like, am I just bad at this? I was telling my friend and he, he has grown kids now. And I said, I said, I just feel like I'm not good at this stage. If, if I could just get past this stage, have you ever felt like if I could just get past this stage, come on, talk to me. Single people, if I could just get, get past this stage, if, if I could just get somebody to, to, to love me and just get somebody to care for me. But you know what? I got to tell you something. If you don't love you, if you don't love you, I, I mean, people with no money, if I could just get a raise, but if you don't know how to manage a little bit, what in the world kind of mess are you going to make with more? Talk to me, Lake Norman. Somebody shout process. I said, if I could just get past this stage. I mean, I felt like that when the church was growing. I'm like, ooh, if we could have a hundred, that would be critical mass. And I got a hundred. And so uh, then I said, well, if we could just get a thousand, that would feel good for uh, my, my mission. It was really more about me and my ego. And like when you're in high school, it's how much can you bench? But when you become a preacher, it's how many do you run? That's how that's how preachers talk. How many you running? Now it's how many campuses you got? Like it's sexy to have more campuses, like it's a vacation home or something. And God really blessed us. And I'm not saying my heart was all bad. I mean, I've always cared about people. It's not like I was just doing it for me. Please don't get the wrong idea. I'm not that, I'm not that terrible, but I, I'm a little bit terrible. And so I'm in process. See, you, I, I, I refuse to stand up here like I, I have arrived. I'm not the pastor because I've arrived. I'm the pastor because God anointed me to help you along the journey. Let's go together. And, and, and so you, you would get to this certain stage and you make up in your mind, okay, it's going to feel like this when it gets like this. You get a thousand, it'll feel like that. I read a scripture in Proverbs. It summarizes the problem with thinking that more is the answer. It says, where uh, the, uh, the, the manger is empty, there is no strength of the ox. Is that kind of weird scripture? Here's what I took from it. No mess, no ministry. Where there, where there are no oxen, the manger is clean. And so I found out that the, the more God does in your life, the messier it actually gets. I found out that the more God blesses you with, the more you have to manage. And so my friend, he said, he said to me, he said, I understand that you want to get past this stage of parenting. He said, but I would challenge you. This changed my life. I hope it will change yours. I would encourage you to show up for every stage. Because every stage 
will have challenges, battles, but it will also have blessings. Is anybody pregnant in here? Okay. The stages of pregnancy I cannot relate to. But I know what Holly told me because all she wanted to do was get the baby out. Get this baby out of me. That's all she wanted. As it got closer and as things got more and more, as the Lord enlarged her territory, you know, prayer Jabez and all that, she was praying, Get this baby out. You know what she was thinking two weeks later after he was born? Can you put him back? See, because whatever stage you're in, the next one looks sexy. And so what he said is, show up for every stage, because if you don't learn to show up for the stage where they're crying as a baby, you might not be able to handle the stage when they're complaining as a teenager. So what he told me to do, I'm telling you to do in your walk with God, if you can. I know some of it sucks. I know some of it is more fun than other other times are spectacular and sometimes seem like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm struggling so bad right now. I know that there are days and I know that there are moments and I know there are situations in this room that are so painful that, that I wouldn't even, I wouldn't even know where to begin to advise you. If you told me the full story of what you've been through, what you're going through, you could probably shock all of us with it. I understand that there are stresses. I understand that there are strains. I understand that, that there are some seasons of your life that are so lonely that you can be in a crowd and feel invisible, that you can be around people that you love and feel disconnected, that you can have thoughts so dark that go through your mind that even the people closest to you don't know how heavy the burden is. I understand you can make a lot of money and feel empty. I understand you can be successful in everybody else's eyes but not like what you see when you look back at yourself in the mirror. I understand there are seasons where you prayed so hard you don't know what else to pray and God is blessing other people who don't even pray and here you are waiting patiently and it feels like heaven is silent. But I wanted you to know today God is the God of the valley. God is the God of the silence. God is the God who spoke into darkness, said let there be light. So I decided that salvation, while it is a finished work because Jesus already did it, it's not just that I got saved, it's that I still need saving. I know, I know, I know you've, you've come a long way, but I came to announce to you today Salvation is not a one-time event. It's an ongoing experience. God is still saving you. You still got gaps. Still, you still you got gaps. And, and the expectation is that the gap is going to go away when God shows up. And that's a dangerous expectation. Really, it is. See, watch this. I want to show you something else. 
He's at the table with them. Y'all got a minute? I just feel like we're out here on a Monday night. We might as well do some work. I mean, we might as well eat the full meal. What would you think if you went to the restaurant and they just brought you out the bread and nothing else? Okay, so that was the appetizer. All right. And they brought out the bread, and Jesus took it, blessed it, broke it, gave it to them. And if you, if you didn't get to hear my sermon on the scars, where I talked about what happened next, you will want to listen to that. You, you will want to download it on your mobile device. You will want to play this back at certain times where you feel like what you've been through is going to be the end. Because the thing that they thought was the end, this is a very prominent theme in all of Scripture, but you see it right here. The thing that they thought was the end was actually the proof of God's power. The thing that they thought stopped the plan of God from prevailing in the earth, which was the cross and the nails in his hand, when he took the bread, blessed it, and broke it, and gave it to them. Remember, he's already been to the cross. He's already risen from the dead. He's sitting at the table. He's walked seven miles. He's explained who he was. They still didn't see it. And When he gave them the bread, somewhere between the breaking and the giving of the bread, they recognized, because their eyes were open, who it was that was sitting there across the table. and What happens next is worth mentioning, because right at the time that they recognized him, he disappeared. You see it? Now you see it? Now you don't. It's like that, isn't it? If I could get to 100, if I could get to 1,000, if I could get this baby out of me, if I could get this baby out of the house, if I could get married, if I had never gotten married. I know you can't say nothing. They came to church with you. Here's what you do when I say something like that, and it's so true. Just look confused. This guy. Come here, Yoshi. Come here, Huey. I taught this a while back. I've been living in it. I have been living in this. I told Buck today, I think this illustration that God showed me, I don't know if it meant anything to anybody else, but this explained a lot to me because I constantly feel like the destination disappears. All right. I'll illustrate because some people weren't here when I did this illustration the first time. I'm going to do it again. Uh, let's say that Yoshi. This is Josh Blackson, everybody, our operations pastor. He does a fantastic job for us here at the church. There wouldn't be a Lake Norman building if it wasn't for this guy. That's the God's heaven truth. Well, anyway, that's, that's all the nice stuff I'm going to say about him. For the rest of this illustration, he's going to represent what I used to be. Okay. The, the illustration that I gave, hang out over there for a minute. I'll call you when I'm ready. This, this represents salvation uh, or, or committing to Christ. I don't know, recommitting. We got all these terms. We got all this lingo that we use. But sometimes there's a gap between the language that we use and the lives that we live. So we say this stuff that sounds spiritual, 
We have no clue what it means or how to bring it to practical reality in our lives. And let me tell you something else. A lot of us know a whole lot more than we do. I'll try it again. It didn't hit like I wanted it to. We are educated far beyond the level of our obedience. There is a gap. Most of us, we don't need to learn more. We need to live out what we've already learned. Hello? Hello? A lot of us, if we would do what we knew, look at your neighbor and say, if you would do what you knew, you'd be farther along. And, and I kind of I kind of look back sometimes. Let's go further back. I want to make sure I have plenty of room to show them. Because some of you in here, God has brought you from a long way. Some of you, even the fact that you're in church tonight on a Monday night, is a miracle. How many of you, the fact that you're in this church on a Monday night is a miracle? Amen. Good for you. And, and sometimes you have got to look back in order to have the courage to move forward. Please understand this. You have got to look back and say, okay, because Maybe you're a new Christian, or maybe you're just getting some things together in your finances, or I mean, practically, maybe even you're just starting to live a healthier lifestyle and you're three months into 2017, or you're just starting to read the Bible, or just starting to pray, or just starting to serve. And so when you're just starting, you make some progress in the process, and it's good when you take those first steps because it's a walk. It's a walk. It's not a, it's not a, it's not. You don't just go straight to paradise. God puts you in process. And so progress sometimes looks more like just baby steps, baby steps, baby steps. But what you got to do while you're taking those steps, you got to look back and recognize the gap between where I was. Come on. Come on. Where I was and where I am. This is what I call the confidence gap. This is, what, this is what enabled David to fight Goliath. Come here, Huey. You be Goliath. Okay. Stand right there. David is facing a giant. But when he faces the giant, which is the next battle he has to fight, how many of you have a next battle? Okay. Whether you know it or not, you have a next battle. I need to come out here and look you in the eyes and tell you there will be another battle. You are not going to paradise today. Anyway, back to the illustration. He's got to fight Goliath. This is a great Bible story. I'm sure many of you have heard it before. And he says something weird. He says, the same God who delivered me from the paw of the lion and the bear. Now, wait a minute. What does a lion and a bear have to do with a nine-foot-tall Philistine champion? Okay. Here's what you do. Because everybody in this room has two gaps. And salvation does not take away the gap. When I came to Christ, I became a new creation. When I came to Christ, my heart was made new. My desires were made new. But I still have some memories. I still have some habits. I still have some proclivities. 
So when we say stuff like God saved me and made me new, it sounds great, but what does that really mean? I'll tell you what it doesn't mean. It doesn't mean that grace will take away the gap. Because just as sure as there's a gap between where I am and where I used to be, there's a gap between where I am and where I want to be. You're getting it. Now, now, I want you to concentrate for a moment, and I want you to think about this back gap, because every single person in here has something behind you, something that you thought you were never going to get over, but God got you through it. Something that you thought was never going to happen, it was impossible, it was out of your reach. But look at you today, standing on the promises of Christ your Savior, standing on the promises of God. And so it's good to look back. Everybody just turn your head and look back real quick. Look back. And it's good to look back on the gap. And so this is what David does. David looks back at the gap and he looks back at the lion that he killed when he was a shepherd. Now he's not facing a lion, but here's what you can do you can borrow the confidence for your next battle from the faithfulness of God in your yesterday. I get excited when I preach. So he reaches back and he borrows from what God did and he throws it forward into the future and says, if God is big enough to bring me from the jaw of the lion, maybe he can take down this sucker too. If God is good enough to save my soul, maybe he can bring me out of this addiction too. If God is big enough. Y'all ain't acting right. You're supposed to be the quiet campus. So, so walking with God. Here's what I expected. I expected if I took enough baby steps that eventually I would be in reality who I was in my imagination. I thought I would get there because I got saved, sanctified, filled with the Spirit. I, I'm not saying that none of those things happened. They happened, but they are still in process. You hear me? You hear me? So yes, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Now I got to learn how to live like he died. Now I got to learn how to let grace fill my gaps because it's the craziest thing. Okay. Every time I take a step toward who God is calling me to be. How many of you have a long way to go? Just wave your hand in the back. Wave your hand in the overflow. Wave your hand on Facebook. How many of you have a long way to go? Touch somebody say, I still got gaps. I still got gaps. I got married, but I still got gaps. I got money, but I still got gaps. I'm saved. I love God. I love Jesus. I'm a worshiper, but I still got gaps. I serve on the parking team, but I still got gaps. I'm on the church staff, but I still got gaps. I don't cuss anymore like I used to, except when I'm in my car, but I still got gaps. I stopped smoking it, but I still got gaps. I'm not sleeping around anymore, but I still got gaps. 
I know who I am in Christ, but sometimes I still feel insecure. I still got gaps. I still got gaps. And it's surprising because you think the gap will at some point go away. They recognize Jesus when he breaks the bread, and guess what he does? He disappears. Why would he disappear in the very moment when they discover who he is? I've been thinking about that. And I'll tell you the answer uh, next weekend. I'll see y'all for week four of Seven Mile Miracle. You see what y'all just did? You did to me what Cleo did to Jesus. He said, No, 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 no. No, 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 no. You're not leaving me here. No, 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 no. Something is happening. See, you got to pursue the presence of God. You can't just give up because it didn't happen and you prayed about it three times and you worked on it a little bit. That's all you got. That's all you want. You gave it one month and it didn't work and you don't want to be married anymore. See, the, the moment, I'm trying, man. The very best I can. Here, here, here's what happened. Here's what happened. The grace that created the first gap, the grace that saved me, the grace that got me out of my sin, is the same grace that will fill this gap with every step I take. So they see Jesus for who he is. They get it, and he goes. They get it, and he goes. The destination disappears. They take a step. He takes a step. This is what growth looks like, by the way. You take a step, and the destination takes a step. Let me tell you a secret. You need both of these gaps to be a growing Christian. You need both gaps. Why would God give you his grace but still leave a gap? Because if he allowed you to arrive, you would become so arrogant that you wouldn't think you needed him anymore. So I came with an announcement. You have not arrived. This is not the end. Just because you are a Christian, just because you've come this far, doesn't mean there's not more in store. Take another step. Take another step. See, God doesn't want me to get to the place where I don't think I need him anymore. So God says, the moment you think you've arrived, I'm going to move to the next destination because I will not leave you where you are, but my grace will sustain you all the way. Somebody shout. Somebody shout, I got grace in the gap. See, that's where the grace is. It's in the gap. It's when you say, God, I can't. God, I don't know how. God, I don't know what.
what to do. God, I never thought it would hurt like this. God says, you got the gaps. I got the grace. Lift your hands and receive it. He's the God of the gap. He is not the God for people who want to factor faith out of the equation. You need faith for the gaps. You need to be able to look back and say, thus far the Lord has brought me. But you need to look forward and say, God, I need you every step of the way. He's still working on me. I am not yet what I will be. But by the grace of God, I'm going forward. So this, this, my friend, I'm closing. I'm closing. Somebody shout, I got gaps. All right, that's a good thing because if you've got gaps, that means you've got a place for God to distribute his grace in your life. I, I, I look back and see how far he's brought me. And that's my that's my confidence. But this gap is my challenge gap or I could say it another way. I could say it another way. You need two gaps. One gap that makes you grateful. And another one that makes you grow. And God is with you in the gap. See, that's why it doesn't feel sometimes like you're moving forward. You are. But, but as you move, Step Huey, God moves, and he leads you forward so you won't stay stuck. I have never felt like I was growing while I was growing. Because this keeps moving. Well, this isn't working. We probably only got one more step before we get into a really interesting illustration. See, it's not until if you only focus on this gap of how far you have to go, you will give up in the gap. But then you look back. And you realize, oh, hey, he's brought me. <laughs> A long way. <laughs> Amazing grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. Twas grace that taught my heart to fear, and grace my fears relieved. How precious did that grace appear the hour I first believed? Tis grace, shh, tis grace that brought me safe thus far. And grace will lead me home. Grace fills the gap. You know that same grace that has never failed you yet? You know that same grace that was with you on your worst day? 
You know that grace that took your shame and canceled the sin record that was against you and nailed it to the cross, disarming principalities and making a public spectacle of them triumphing over the cross? That same grace is with you when you're broken. That same grace is with you when you failed. That same grace is with you whether you feel it or you don't. On your feet, hands lifted high. If you feel comfortable, lift your hands because I think we all need grace. I don't think it's a one-time thing where I come to the cross and get grace and then try to live my, my whole life on one tank. I need a constant filling. I got gaps. You got gaps. We all got gaps. That's what grace is for, man. You're growing. You're going forward. I know it doesn't feel like forward, but look back and get grateful today. I mean, some of the things that you're experiencing right now, you never thought you would experience, and you're standing right in the blessing, but all you see is the battle. Look back on the blessing for a minute. I mean, I want you to close your eyes and, and just think so deep, think so hard about the lion and the bear, what felt like it was going to kill you, and today it's just, it's just a trophy in the trophy case, a trophy of the grace of God. Look back at it. Come on, you survived through the job loss. You survived through the criticism. You survived when your best friends stopped returning your calls. You survived when she gave the ring back, said she changed her mind. You made it through by grace. Now, that same grace is in this moment. And if you would just receive it, I mean, really receive it. I mean, receive it like you can't live without it. Like Cleopas called to Christ, come in and stay with us. The evening is almost here. Come in and stay with me. Just invite the grace of God to come into the places in your heart that seem broken right now. Make space for the grace of God. Let grace fill the gap between where you are and where you want to be. Surrender some of the desires that you have that haven't come to pass yet to the Lord and tell him that you're willing to be patient in the process. Surrender some of the things that you have told yourself within yourself you will not be complete without, and accept in this moment that if Christ is in you, you are complete. Say it out loud, I am complete. Right here, right now, not one day when, I am complete. With or without it, I am complete. With or without them, I am complete. I am complete. He is with me, and he is enough. The presence of the Lord is here. Receive it now.
Thank you for watching this special teaching. For more content from Pastor Stephen Furtick and Elevation Church, make sure you subscribe to this channel. If this ministry has blessed you in any way and you'd like to contribute financially, you can go online to elevationchurch.org slash give. Thanks again for watching.